Radio Drone. I bet you guys thought there wasn't going to be a new episode this week. I bet you thought we all went to Camp Blood and ended up getting killed. Or is it Camp Forest Green? Or, Brad, correct me on this. It's uh, Earth 2. Ah, yes, you're going into the far, not too far future. Got it. Let's go to adamandeve.com, though, first to use the promo code DROME to get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free mystery gift, and free U.S. shipping. They will even ship to Camp Blood. Alex, not really a tranny. Jowski is here. What? Was there a suspicion that I was? That's not what I paid for. (laughs) So we're we're talking Friday the 13th tonight. The weird thing is, Brad, you and I, we've kind of already done a Friday the 13th retrospective, but not really. Yeah. At some point in the 139 episodes prior to this, We've talked about every single one of the movies, but we've Uh never done a proper retrospective of the series. What is your interpretation of the Friday the 13th franchise as a franchise before we get into the individual movies? They are fun slasher movies, and they were, as long as they were making money, Paramount was going to keep putting them out. They were like the cream of the crop of slasher movies. They were the the ones to watch because you had a bunch that were coming out on video cashing in on what Friday the 13th did. As a whole, uh, it's very much the proto. It's the prototypical slasher movie. It's where you go in your head. It's a, It's what you envision in your head as a slasher movie of what a slasher movie is of the different tropes, the styles, the cliches, the type of killer stuff like that. And with that being said, it's, it's fun. It's the definition of a fun, of a fun stock series of slasher movies. See the way I look at it. I look at the Friday the 13th franchise as setting the standard. All of the imitators would end up using or, or even like Joe, how Joe Bob Briggs put it when he was making a joke about Halloween 3. How dare they try and do something different? Didn't they learn anything from the Friday the 13th franchise that makes the same damn movie with a different cast every time? Yeah. And while he's not exactly wrong, he did mean it in a satirical way. But to me, that's part of the problem, and that's not a problem with this franchise. It's part of the problem of the perception of this franchise is that they're all basically the same movie. I disagree with that to an extent. I mean, they are in the sense that they have they follow standards of a slasher movie with what later turned into a masked killer, but even a killer picking off horny teenagers and stuff like that. But each one of them, each one of the Friday the 13th movies, while following a lot of that, each had their own individual personalities to those movies. There was something different about each one of them. What I really liked was the two-facedness of the media and the critics when it came to these movies. They were always complaining the Friday the 13th movies were formulaic, and they never Uh tried anything. And then every time they tried to go off formula, the most common response, wow, they're really out of ideas for this franchise. You Uh can't win! Well, I know with the original concept when they did part two, they wanted to make, oh, well, we're going to just do a different series of horror films that just share this Friday the 13th name like they wanted to do with Halloween 3. You know, same thing happened. People weren't going to have it, so the producers were like, no, we want to make this movie about Jason. Friday the 13th, 1980, 
even though Halloween came before it, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Peeping Tom, and there were some other slashers before that, I've said it before, I'll say it again. This film started the slasher boom. Yeah. In, in every real regard. Yeah, definitely. The 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 movies in the 1980s, the the slasher movies of that time, when you look at a lot of them, they're clearly more inspired off of what Friday the 13th did than what Halloween did. This is a series that I that I've at least known about since it's far since as far as I can remember. I didn't actually see one of the movies till I was probably 11 or 12 years old, but everyone in our age group back then knew who Jason was from an early age. I knew who Freddy Krueger was years before seeing a Nightmare on Elm Street movie when I was starting to watch more more horror films like that, like the slasher movies. They were doing a Friday the 13th marathon on TV that weekend, and I had seen the second one. That was the first time I actually saw it. Same way I saw it was a Friday the 13th marathon on TV. Yeah, on the USA Network. It was. Oh, so you saw them all, no pun intended, cut up. Yeah, yeah. It was, was, and it was a Friday, so it was Gilbert Gottfried, not What's-Her-Face. Ronda Ronda Shear. Ronda Shear. I encountered these... On video. The first one of these I saw in the theater was part six. So that's down the line. But I had rented all of these prior to that. And I'll be honest, the first film, I didn't like it at the time. I fell into the trap, Brad. I wanted Jason and I was pissed it wasn't Jason. The now me, the 38 year old me sees that this first film is actually pretty well made and well done. Yeah, yeah, I disagree with the notion that it's a poorly made movie. You know, I see positive reviews for this thing that even say, like, well, let's be honest, it's trash and it's poorly made and poorly acted. And I honestly, like, well, I mean, yeah, it's a trashy slasher movie, but that's what you want. Kind of what it was going that, for. That's exactly what it was going for. So, and it succeeded at that. It's it's just the kind of movie that it is. It's, it's weird to knock a movie like this for being sleazy. In terms of direction and how it's made, it's all you need to do is look at Friday the 13th, and then also look at something like Savage Weekend. And you can tell how much better an example of the genre Friday the 13th is than fucking Savage Weekend, which is a terrible movie that's boring and poorly made. That's that's a poorly made movie. Same with, like, Nailgun Massacre. And then look at Friday the 13th, and you can, you can tell that that's a great example of that kind of movie. It looks and feels exactly like it should look at and feel it doesn't do anything spectacularly wrong it does but it, it doesn't try to go over ambitious with it it's exactly what a movie like that should look and feel like yeah it is well made and props to betsy palmer in that movie because she really yeah. does do a great job with her role despite not wanting to be in the movie I give so much respect to an actor like like that because she openly said she didn't want to do it she just wanted to buy a car but she doesn't sleepwalk through the movie. You see her, like, in interviews or at cons talking about the role that she remembers it fondly. I mean, she talks highly of the character yeah. of Jason's mom. That she's the hero, oh, yeah. kind of. Yeah, and, and, and she's perfect, is that, that you can tell that this is a very loving mother and someone who probably started out their life a pretty nice person, but just went crazy. Once once that happened, like you see the motherly side of this woman in every way, shape or form possible in the good ways and the freaking deadly ways. 
when it comes to this film, just referring to this film right now, even with its place in history, do you yeah. do you get why modern audiences don't like this one as much because they're so almost inundated with Jason? How this feels almost like the Halloween three of the franchise, even though it shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's a it's a slower paced film. You know, the other ones certainly boosted up the level of action and violence. But I I don't have a problem with that. I I don't I don't mind a slow burn when it's done well. And I think Friday the Thirteenth does it it incredibly well. I think the characters are fun. I it's got some funny stuff in there. And and honestly, like that's a movie that boy it does incredibly well with the soundtrack. Like it knows exactly where to put pieces of music in that movie to have it work effectively. It, Henry Manfredini's soundtrack really does aid in the movie. It it does it it, it it does it it makes it feel like a more spectacular project than it really is. And now we have to say for the first film at this point, Paramount they picked this up. They didn't make this one, so this was an independent feature. Even Paramount was shocked at how much money this thing made in 1980. You knew a sequel was coming. Friday the 13th Part 2? I'm of two minds about this one. I don't know how you feel about the ending to the first film. I I like to think it was a dream, Jason popping out of the lake, because otherwise the rest of the franchise doesn't make any f***ing sense. I like to think of that as a dream. I don't know if it was ballsy or stupid for them to kill off Alice right away. Well, that that was more t- to the fact that Adrian King said that she would do it, but they had to give her the smallest role possible. But even at that point in the in movies in the mainstream, when when you brought a character back for the second film, you weren't used to them getting killed right in the beginning, were you? No, no, not usually. I mean, I've seen it a couple of times, but it's certainly not a common thing. But I think that I think that that's yeah, largely due more to that she just didn't really want to be in the movie that much. Yeah, Adrian King had picked up a bunch of stalkers and fans and, you know, she was like trying to be in hiding and forget about Friday the 13th for a while to get rid of the unwanted element that it had brought to her life. So that's why she only wanted just the tiny, tiniest role possible. The movie in and of itself, I mean, like, I certainly look at it through nostalgia's eyes and whatnot it was the first one that i saw and the friday the 13th series is is really i mean in in terms of slasher movies it's like my it's my series like it's that's the one that i hold closest to me that's the one that i watch the most that's the one i i grew up watching it like front to end warts and all stuff like that like i when i was a kid i knew those movies front to back i mean jason with of the slasher villains was always my guy Pretty much all, most of these movies, yeah, there's going to be plenty of stuff that I like about them. Part 2 starts my favorite, like, trilogy of the series, because really, like, most most of the movies in this series kind of comprise of their own little trilogies. One of those is 2, 3, and 4, since they all take place within days of each other. So that's my favorite trilogy of the series right there, and 2 is really the start of that, and I, I love it because of that. And it's fun, and I think, and it's also fun. I really do like two as well. And when I first watched it on TV, I loved it. And then later on, when I saw, you know, all the behind-the-scenes stuff and read, I'm like, oh, this killing is paying homage to a Mario Bava movie. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a little smarter. I think overall, you'll see a lot of that throughout this franchise. 
the franchise is a little smarter than it's given credit for, which yeah. I think is kind of irritating that everyone like whenever you hear someone want to dismiss a slasher film, let's say it it is a bad slasher film. They'll always compare it to like the worst of the Friday the 13th franchise. And I don't think that's fair. The ending of the first movie, that was supposed to be a dream sequence. I mean, Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham have said in interviews and stuff that they wanted this scare in the movie after watching Carrie. They wanted the same thing, but they wanted to drag it out longer to screw with people that it was not supposed to be story. So that's why they had nothing to do with part two, because they thought bringing Jason in was the stupidest thing ever. Yeah, yeah. So with it being a dream, that's obviously what makes the most sense. I mean, well, and it's also what they said is actually what happened, because, yeah, in the second movie, he's 20 years old to her. I do like Jason's origin story of basically not having an origin. Why is he this unkillable monster? He just is. Well, he's not exactly unkillable. He he is very much backing away from the chainsaw in this movie. He he gets his hand split open, and, and I, I can't remember if it's three or four. I mean, he, he gets hurt. He gets hurt and stays hurt. He even is limping for a while after getting hit in the leg. So he's not an unstoppable killing <laughs> machine at this point. He just seems to have no pain response. There seems to be a difference there at this point. Some of it, sometimes he does feel pain in two, three, and four. Like you, like you said, you see him limping, and in three, you hear him uh, grunting. You hear him grunting whenever he gets hurt, and he obviously feels pain in four as well. And he grunts four, when he gets the axe and the hockey mask too. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and in four, that was supposed to be the end. That was supposed to be him dying. So at the time, he is by all accounts dead at the end of four. And then in six, when lightning bring it, brings him back, that's when he becomes supernatural. Well, we'll get to that, though. That That's down the line. One so, last yeah. thing about two, though, is I always felt that the bag over the head with the one eye hole was much more terrifying than the hockey mask. I like the bag over the head bit. I, I do. And w since two was the first one that I saw, I always knew Jason is having the hockey mask. So when I turned up as a kid, you know, kid me was like, what the hell is that? And two, I think I think overall, though, two, it's got fun characters in it. It's it's a funny movie. It's entertaining. And again, the music really fits it and it has some mild suspense. So I, I, I like three or two. Well, then let's move on to three. I did not see three in the theater. As I pointed out, six was the first one I saw in the theater. So I've only seen this in 3D on a crappy bootleg anaglyph where you have to remember, Brad, how you'd have to use to change the tint on your TV to hit certain settings to make the anaglyph work. Yes. And I could never freaking get I could it to never, work. I, I, had, I had that. I had, I had that. I had that bootleg, too. I could never get it to work either. So I've never seen this in 3D. And I don't know. To me, the 3D really was a gimmick at this point because it wasn't needed. But that said, that doesn't mean it's not fun. Oh, the, the I Friday the Thirteenth 3D is like it's it's like my it's my favorite 3D movie of all time. Like it throws popcorn at you, snakes, the yo-yo, uh, the yo-yo, spears, his hands, eyeballs, holding, eyeballs, uh, multiple times with the eyeballs too boards haystacks it's so much freaking fun and entertaining and and three three and four are my, are my favorites of the of the series the strength of a friday the 13th movie is obviously having some pretty fun 
kills in there, but also it's in the strength of the characters. The characters have to be fun in a Friday the 13th movie. They have to be, you know, kind of silly and funny and, and goofy and, and somewhat likable. You at least need a few likable characters in there because, yeah, you are spending an entire movie with them, even if it is a slasher movie. And the characters in 3 are so much fun. Yeah, they're much more memorable than the others. They're Shelly and... Yes, Shelly, Fox, Loco, the the bikers. They're the guy who just just walks on his hands for no reason other than to get killed the way he does. Yeah, the, the the, old... that one even to me as a kid, I went, that feels like a setup for something. Yeah. The old potheads. Yeah, yeah. And that always got me. I'm like, why are these kids going camping with these old hippies? <laughs> There's one of the characters is pregnant. Yeah. And she dies. In fact, she gets impaled through the belly. Uh-huh. Which is kind of surprising considering this franchise's, let's just say, contentious relationship with the MPAA throughout its uh-huh. history. So that's actually a little surprising. And three would be the origin of the of the hockey mask, where he yeah. first gets what would become the iconic hockey mask, or multiple hockey masks, because considering how many times in later movies it gets destroyed and is somehow brought back, but whatever. Changes uh-huh. colors. Sometimes it's got a red uh-huh. mark on it. Sometimes it's blue. I didn't think 3 was anything special, but I didn't hate it either. I, I thought 3 was just was an adequate sequel. Well, and then we move on to the final movie in the franchise. The final chapter. Friday the 13th, yeah, Part 4. Of course. I remember, since I'm a little older than both of you guys, I remember when this was all in all the news. Even like at, you know, Entertainment Tonight was covering it. The final film, the last front. And even as a nine-year-old, I'm going, this ain't the last one. I know you like it. I don't, again, particularly hate this movie. I just, I don't know. You might kill me for this. I think five and six are better movies, but that that's debatable. I enjoyed the shit out of five. But four, mm-hmm. I will agree it had good characters. It had a good buildup. Corey Feldman was very interesting in it. And it's the beginning of really the only non-Jason recurring character we have over multiple movies, Tommy Jarvis. Talk about characters being pretty fun and likable in a slasher movie this movie's got some of my favorite slasher movie characters of all time the crispin glover lawrence monison friendship there with teddy and jimbo and like him like putting his stats with women in an invisible computer like i love that stuff and then teddy sitting there watching like old stag reels of fat chicks dancing and and i think that stuff is great i think four's a blast it's got it's got a lot of the sex and violence that make up the series and the kills were the kills were good and it had very like you said very interesting characters as well not just funny slasher movie characters you had Tommy Jarvis like you said and like being this wizard sort of and with designing these really awesome looking masks and then the, there was the other dude who was going off to get revenge for his sister dying in the second movie. Like, that stuff to me was really interesting. I think 4 is probably one of the best directed of the whole series. I mean, it's got some awesome camera work in it. It it really does. Like, it, it gets... There are some shots that get downright kind of spooky, especially with the music playing in it. Like, that, that shot where Tommy Jarvis comes downstairs with his uh, head shaved. 
and yelling out to Jason, and Jason looks over at him and just kind of slowly stands up. It's a very eerie scene. And, like, I love the opening of it, where it starts with, like, this shot up on this helicopter and goes through, like, the whole end of three, through the oh, yeah. steady cam as these cops are walking. It's got great camera work. And I was going to say, Crispin Glover's dancing still. Maybe one of the reasons it dis- disappoints me so much, it sets up this great ending after Jason's killed, with Corey Feldman somehow becoming him, spiritual force that's not really gone into, that five hints at, but they never really went in the direction of, I thought that would have been a really great way to continue the franchise Jason-less. And well, I, was, I, I was really disappointed that they didn't go with what they were clearly aiming for. Five is guilty of that more than four is, because five ends with him wearing the mask and got and having the knife up against her when i first saw four my first thought was more just like oh god he just looks like he's kind of traumatized is all not that i necessarily thought he was gonna become like a killer he just kind of looked traumatized to me as a kid but yeah by the time five came around yeah it clearly sets that up but i think that's more five's fault than four well and now at this point we have to point out paramount has never been happy with this franchise Paramount was always frankly ashamed of the Friday the 13th franchise. Paramount executives were outright offended that they would put three, four million dollars into prestige pictures that would bomb. They'd put three quarters of a million bucks into a Friday the 13th and it would make back enough to fund the studio for a year. They were always ashamed that they, that Paramount was going to be known for two things, Star Trek which they also didn't like, and Friday the 13th. Uh So that's why they decided, no, let's do an ending because we really don't want this franchise anymore. And then 4 made so much money, they're like, you know what? I don't care. Just do a fifth one. You know what? We turns out we like making money. We really don't care how we do it. 4 made more money than any other film in the franchise up to that point. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and you know what? That's fine if the movie makes money. If you're a company like Paramount, you should be like, all right, you know, we this movie made us enough money. We can actually do some projects that we like better. And then five came out. You know what? At the time, I can see why five kind of almost felt trolling. Looking back, I respect the fact that they didn't immediately go back to Jason minus the Corey Feldman dream sequence near the beginning. I like the fact that they were actually trying something different. And of course, they got completely crucified for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, when I was a kid and was younger, I certainly didn't care much for this, even though I still watched it a bunch. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, looking at it now, being older and looking back on it, I think it's fine. I mean, yeah, it's silly that it turns out to be this like paramedic, but. Whatever, it's got it's got some pretty funny sequences in it, like the kid with his damn candy bar. It's got a lot of sleaze in it. Um, that, that that abusive redneck mom. Yeah, yeah, the abusive oh, redneck I... mom and the kid. It so it it works. It's it's certainly it certainly goes up on the violence and sex department. And this is the first film where they lost control of the timeline. Each Friday the 13th film came out one year after the previous one. So when this came out in 1985, it came out a year after the final chapter, but jumps five years in continuity. So this takes place now in 1989. 
And then the yeah. next film will jump six years in continuity. So we're into the mid to late 90s by the time the film ma- being made in 1986 comes out. And yet they never respond to this. That's one thing that always bothered me is you do know you're in science fiction times now, right? Actually, they jumped the continuity in two because it came out the next year. But they talk about that incident at Camp Crystal Lake five years ago and do their backstory with that. Yeah, so they've never been consistent with that. But I actually, as much as John Shepard might not like his role as Tommy, I thought he did a really good job of looking like somebody who only needed one more thing to go wrong before he'd snap and start going on a rampage. I thought he did a good job at that. I did too. I thought his acting was solid. I, I thought I thought a lot of the acting in the movie was solid. This one definitely has the most tits in the whole series. That's the thing I remember most about Five is there's tits all over the place. Because I originally watched it on TV, so all that was cut. So when I got it on video, I was like, wow, this is like a different movie. This one also ran afoul of the MPAA. At least three of the kills had to be, and I don't mean in editing, they knew, Paramount said, there's no way you're getting an R rating with that kill, tone it down. So, to be fair, this was the first time they ever started pre-censoring the kills, being afraid of, let's face it, what Jason's ultimate nemesis is, was the MPAA. Because, like, the the punk rock chick that was, you know, really badly breakdancing in her room, she was supposed to get impaled right up the crotch. Yeah. Originally. Yeah, yeah, the way she dies in the movie is she cuts her from her stomach up to like right below her breast and then just tosses her aside and that's that. Yeah, that's not how that was originally meant to go. Say what you will about it, made a ton of money. So yeah. you you knew another one was coming, but but because of the critical thrashing they got from Friday the thirteenth fans, they knew they can't do this non Jason shit again. They needed to bring Jason back, and then we get to Jason Lives, which I think is the best film in the franchise, the first one I saw in the theater, one of the smartest ones. It's full of intentional humor. It's full of subtle jokes. It's full of jokes at the at the expense of the franchise itself. The first time I saw Six was, again, I'm in, I was in grade school. Uh, the first time I saw Six, I didn't like it at all. Because I was I was sitting there as a kid watching it and being like, why is this so goofy? Like, why why is this so seemingly aware of itself and not taking this so seriously and blah, blah, blah. So when I saw it as a little kid, I didn't like the fact that it was a comedy. And then growing up and looking 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 at it again, I do think it's one of the best ones of the series because it is it is funny. And at that point, I think, yeah, the best way to go with it was really to lampshade a lot of that, was to really be simultaneously aware of how goofy it is while still making a Friday the 13th movie. And because of that, like like you said, I think it is one of the smarter ones of the series. Same thing when I first watched it, I hated it because it was so goofy. I mean, and it still feels out of place with the rest because this is the only one that really is not breaking the fourth wall, but it might as well be. It almost is from that first shot of Jason parodying 007. Come on. That opening always never sat right with me. Still doesn't, the Jason parodying 007. But looking back, it is still good. It has a lot of fun moments in it, and... Given what follows, it's it's a good way. It's like the last of the ones I really enjoy. It was the end of the Tommy Jarvis trilogy. 
I really liked, again, going to the intelligence of the script, I liked the fact that they were straight out acknowledging Jason existed, Camp Blood existed, the whole renaming the, 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 the city to Forest Green and pretending that Jason never happened. I thought that was a brilliant way to move this series along. And it's frankly disappointing that none of the other films acknowledge this, that in part seven, it's back to Crystal Lake and they never acknowledge the Forest Green stuff again. One thing about it, though, is I liked that this one had like a real climax where they're trying to accomplish a specific way of killing Jason versus every other one was just throw stuff at him until he stops moving. And I like that it was very much a Tommy Jarvis movie. Like, yeah, the other the other movies certainly had their leads, but they were a lead as part of an ensemble. Yeah, Adrian King is like kind of the main one in the first one, but she's certainly part of an ensemble. She just gets killed the last. Uh, or, I mean, she just makes it the well, longest. Well, she does get movie. killed in the second film, so she you are gets, technically get, wrong. Yeah, yeah, in the second one, yeah. But, like, uh, but in this one, this is, like, Tom Matthews in this, he's, like, he's like the Bruce Willis of this movie. He's I mean, not he half-assed is, in that role, either. Yeah, yeah, he is, and I like, he's an actor who I've always liked a lot, and he definitely carries this movie. This is, this, this is one Friday the 13th movie with a definite lead character, with an arc, with an ongoing story. It's very much Tommy Jarvis's movie, and I like that. Yeah, it's like the one slasher movie that doesn't have a final girl. It's also the only Friday the 13th movie in the entire franchise that has no nudity. That that was also a specific dictate from Tom McLaughlin, the writer-director. I mean, and it also shows you that, you know, just nudity isn't going to make a Friday the 13th movie, because 6 is a fan favorite. It's one of the be- better-reviewed ones of the series. It's the only one with no nudity. And again, just like 4 and 5, this ran afoul of the MPAA, many of the deaths were originally longer or much more graphic. Again, this is another one where the MPAA is Jason's largest enemy. It's a shame we don't get more uncut versions of these. The, The DVDs have extras of like the work print copies of the FX, I wish they'd do like the first film and just edit them back into the damn movie. I nope. same same here. Yeah. I don't understand why they don't do that. And then we move on to part seven. This is probably my least favorite of the Paramount era. And yeah, even taking eight into consideration, I don't like them bringing. Even though Jason was brought back by supernatural powers in six, technically, and he is a zombie. I don't think adding a Carrie-type psychic girl was a great idea to this franchise. I got what they were doing, you know? Like, it's like I kind of said earlier, There's each one of these movies does... There's something about them that makes them unique in their own in their own movie. You know, 3 being in 3D, 5 being the ambulance driver, 6 being very funny, and 7, which is... I see the intent of it, that it's Carrie versus Jason... I do, and when I was a kid watching it, it was among my favorites, and it does have a lot of entertaining stuff in it. When those two are duking it out, and she's hanging him, setting him on fire, electrocuting him, that stuff is fun. And I also like the soundtrack in this one, too, and I think that Larpark Lincoln makes a very likable lead character. Of the Paramount ones, like you said, it's it's the one that I find the hardest to watch, and I don't, it's the one that I watch the least now, 
because of how edited it is. It's so distracting. This was the one that ran the most afoul of the MPAA. It's like they caught the MPAA at a bad time that month. This had more edits to it than any other film in the entire franchise, even including the New Line era. And it's distracting. It's straight up distracting. Like, there needs to be an uncut version of this movie. This was also the first appearance of Kane Hodder as Jason. Oh, who, and he's great. Yeah, he, he he gives Jason a a strange personality. He gives him a distinct personality over this and the next two movies that none of the other Jason actors, because of the fact that they never had consecutive actors for the role, were able to do. He gives oh. Jason a physical, a very physical sense of humor. In fact, people have talked about working with Kane Hodder as Jason, and like the director will tell him to do this, and he's like, no, Jason wouldn't do that. Yeah. So he's into the character. Oh yeah. yeah, he knows this character front and back. Seven is also my least favorite. Because uh, I hated the psychic girl angle of it. I was like, there's no, Jason needs to be the one that does all the badass stuff, not the hero. Although I did like uh, the psychologist, what's his weekend that's, at Bernie's. That's like, oh, Terry, such Terry, a dick. Terry, Terry Kaiser. Kaiser, yes. He, he, was, is, he was great. He is so just like needlessly cruel through the whole movie. Well, and then even when Jason's coming at him, I totally get the feel that at any moment he'd go, do whatever you want to the girl, but let me go. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, he just seems like that kind of guy. And then after this, we come to where Paramount has had their, their fill of this franchise. Jason Takes Manhattan. And I think part of the reason that Jason Takes Manhattan fails, besides the fact that it's not Title. Manhattan, well, there's multiple reasons, but I think part of it is pop culture itself. Jason had become a media icon at this point. The same way, like, Brad, when we talked about how Freddy Krueger started cracking jokes and, yeah. and being on talk shows and stuff, Jason was on Arsenio. Jason was making appearances on Entertainment Tonight in character. Kane Hodder was doing this stuff. Jason had lost his 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 scariness, really. He'd, he'd become a media icon. And the movies were starting to reflect that, I think. L- let's face it. Takes Manhattan is all spectacle with no real character behind it. Yeah, the characters in this movie are kind of lame. The characters in this one are relatively forgettable. I, I Eight makes a decent party movie for... It, it, it makes a decent bad movie party movie. It certainly does that. And there are some funny moments in it, considering how like every character in this movie dies in some ironic poetic justice kind of way like look the guy plays heavy metal he gets killed with a guitar yeah the coke the coke head gets stabbed with a broken mirror the guy who was teaching his niece how to swim drowns the boxer gets his head punched off what do you think is going to happen when you try and box jason yeah like i mean so that that stuff was was kind of funny but it's it's, I remember seeing it for the first time as a kid, and it was honestly one of the first ones I saw because the title was so damn gimmicky. I spent, I said that the first time being like, what is the, did we accidentally get the wrong movie? What the hell? Takes Manhattan, not takes a boat going to Manhattan. Yeah, that, and that's such a missed opportunity there, but some of the kills are pretty funny in it. I'll, I'll give it that. I hate Manhattan. You know, and that the city's not even in this movie. He, he f- can takes Toronto. Yeah. Uh, no, no, he takes Times Square. 
He stands in Times Square. Fair enough. Yeah, there are some interesting deaths, but like Brad said, the characters are terrible. And the thing I hate most about this one is the ending. It's, it's a terrible ending. He's washed the away by nuclear. makes no sense. He's washed all. away by nuclear, not nuclear, but toxic waste. And it transforms and- <laughs> him back into a little boy. What the hell? A little boy who looks. Oh, by the way, this is what I hated about eight is because he, when you saw him as a kid, he was just a normal looking kid. That's never been the case in any of the movies when it's shown or described him as a child. It demutated him because it was toxic waste. There you go. Yeah. Although, it, I, no, even in the flashback, even in the flashback, he he was completely unmutated. He was just a nor- He looked like Jake Lloyd. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The Tommy Jarvis not becoming a killer thing. That's something that led to nowhere. But at least you could. At least that had an explanation. This doesn't. No, it doesn't. And when I saw this one, it was the last in the series, and it was a long time before the next one came out. So I'm like, that's how they chose to end it? That's stupid. Yeah. Well, this wasn't necessarily meant to be the end of the franchise, but it did not do well. And Paramount had been having issues with the Friday the 13th TV series, which was actually doing quite well, but they were they were sick of the controversy about the TV series. But let's put it this way. Go back and watch, especially the third season of Friday the 13th, the series. There's more deaths and gore in that than are in some of the last three Friday the 13th movies. You can see why that series was so controversial for being first-run syndication. And so Paramount had basically just had it with the franchise. They got rid of it. Eventually, New Line Cinema bought it. New Line Cinema had been angling for... There have been rumors of a Freddy vs. Jason movie for years. Back around 5, I think, there was this rumor that Paramount put out this thing that said, we're going up to 13. We're going to make 13 Friday the 13th movies. And then Fangoria printed a rumor, again, that in one of them, Jason would fight a shark. And I was like, you know what? As dumb as that sounds, it's also kind of cool. But okay. I still want to see Jason fight a shark. Yeah. But they were having issues with the Nightmare franchise at that point, remember? They ended uh-huh. that, remember? Yeah. You know, just the same way Friday the 13th did. I, I'm going to say it right out. Jason Goes to Hell is not even a real Friday the 13th movie to me. I, 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 I totally get everyone's problems with Jason Goes to Hell. I, I do. I get it. I understand it. The movie makes no sense whatsoever. It's It completely retcons the entire series as its own entity as its own thing i think it's a very very entertaining movie the only thing i liked about jason goes to hell was the opening 10 minutes i thought that was a nice almost spoof of the franchise itself to the point where the fbi agent even keeps tripping i thought that was kind of clever and then i i liked the whole tabloid tv show acknowledging jason and that he has become the national celebrity and the media icon that he actually had in real life at that point with being on talk shows and that I thought that was clever. It wasn't handled well, but it was clever. That's all I'll say that that's the only good things I'll say about part nine. Creighton Duke. All right. All right. Steven Williams was pretty cool in the theatrical version. Well, even in the uncut theatrical version, he has no character at all. The TV version is almost all deleted Creighton Duke scenes, and he's awesome. 
<laughs> oh, I I love Creighton Duke. There's a lot of stuff I like about this movie. I think Creighton Duke is a lot of fun and very entertaining. I think the kills are over the t- are really over the top and and somewhat humorous, but also somewhat cringeworthy in a couple of shots. The guy getting his wrist snapped in half was pretty good. Oh, or the the fat woman getting her jaw caved in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of that stuff was really well done. And I, and John uh, LeMay's char- lead character, I liked this character a lot because he was just this kind of young, dweeby, geeky sort of guy. It sort of felt like watching him in this movie, it sort of felt like I was the lead in a slasher movie or like if I ended up in a slasher movie, I'd be this guy. The funny thing about John LeMay is... The fact that he worked for Paramount on the Friday the 13th TV series. And yeah. then it's funny that he was never in any of those. But when the series moves to New Line, then he does the first one of those. It's just, you got to wonder if that was intentional or not. Yeah, I, I thought he was really, really likable. I like how they made this dweeby guy who is really genuine and earnest. And he would be the kind of guy who would probably get killed within the first 40 minutes of any of the other movies. I like that he's the lead. And we, we can't discount the fact that this, oddly enough, connects to the Evil Dead continuity with both the Necronomicon and the Dagger. Those were intentionally put in, and if you listen to the director, those aren't in-jokes. So, kind of they're Jason's a deadite? Maybe? Maybe. Kind of? No, what I like about nine is like you said the first 10 minutes but brad's right that it really could just work as its own with it's not part of the franchise like if it was not jason if it was like some other killer within its own story but then why go out of your way to piss on the previous eight movies because that's what this one did to most fans they saw this as the well the reason they they did it this way to was they, they wanted to put Jason in hell so they could make a Freddy vs. Jason movie because there were immediate plans to put that into development. Unfortunately, those plans didn't follow through for like a decade. Yeah, and I I th- I don't think that the people who are making this movie really care that much about continuity. I think they probably went into it with the idea that, you know, it's got a lot of sex, a lot of violence. And I, I think they kind of wrote on the idea that People will love it just because of that. But, you know, there are people who take that continuity very, very, very seriously. Friday the 13th has never had the best continuity to begin with. We pointed Um, that out earlier, yeah. Yeah, so it isn't like they took something that was already perfect in terms of continuity and destroyed it. It took a bigger piss than some other smaller pisses that have already been taken. But I, I, but overall, I, I just think it's, I just think it's an entertaining movie, and it's, it's a shame that, it's a shame that Jason is really in it so little, because how Jason looks in this movie, I think, is awesome. But that, that said, that's one of the things that even if we're taking this as an entity unto itself, the stuff that makes no sense, like when Jason's little wormy, squirmy thing is in someone else's body, he sees a reflection of Jason. With the hockey mask all decayed. Um, that's dumb. I can, well, uh, I mean, come on. A few movies prior, he was doing the James Bond opening. Like, okay. I can, I can forgive, I can forgive stuff like that. Like, if we're talking about it being realistic here, he would have lost that mask years ago. (laughs) Well, and as we pointed out, he's gone through how many of them? 
for the most part until it breaks until it ends up breaking at the end of seven. I think it's supposed to be the same mask. Well, yeah, it's got the same slice in it, but... It's got the same, yeah, axe slice in it from three. The thing that I really didn't like is how once you see the ending, and as Alex pointed out, this was always meant to just be here to get Jason to hell. In retrospect, you kind of go, so the whole movie is sort of pointless because it's a prequel to another movie that never actually came out. That doesn't make sense because the version of freddy versus jason i say that because the version of freddy versus jason they planned at that time had them actually both in hell quite differently than the version that eventually came out it it still does open with them in hell in freddy versus jason so i you know like i i i see it fitting together fine in continuity more so than the continuity of the end of eight (laughs) yeah And then there's a really cool moment, a behind-the-scenes moment, when Freddy's glove comes up to grab Jason's mask. That makes Kane Hodder the only person who has technically played Jason, Freddy, and Leatherface. (laughs) Because he's obviously played Jason in 6, 7, and 8, or 7, 8, and 9. He played Freddy's arm in that, and he was the stunt double for Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw 3, so he's still on camera for a bunch of times as Leatherface, so he's the only actor that's played all three of those iconic slashers. And then New New Line was kind of happy with how this turned out, and they commissioned Jason X quite a few years later, unfortunately, due to they were trying to get the Freddy vs. Jason movie off the ground at this point, and just Uh. stalling, stalling every time something came up to stop that movie. So they said, we'll make a placeholder movie. But to do that, we can't screw up it's funny that after Jason goes to hell, they're worried about continuity. They didn't want to screw up the continuity of Freddy versus Jason, so we need something set in the far future. Jason X emerged. I gotta say, I loved the hell out of Jason X. Oh, yeah. Jason X, is it's a comedy. It's a comedy. Just like Six. Yeah, it's. I think it's even more of a comedy than Six. Like, it is just straight up spoof. Like, it is a slapstick comedy with Jason in space. It's completely aware of the kind of movie it is. It knows that the only kind of success that a movie like this will have is just if it's cheesy as hell, really funny, and does not take itself too seriously. And that's exactly what Todd Farmer wrote. He wrote a movie just so you could have a good time watching a cheesy-ass B-movie. And in my opinion, he succeeded at it. Jason X is better than it has any right to be because yeah. I mean, do you remember years prior that Mad TV did a parody of yeah. how weird they got uh, of Apollo the Thirteenth, Jason in space, Jason and, and then they NASA. <laughs> and, and then they actually make that movie, uh-huh. and you go, it's turned out to be really good too. When I first watched Jason X, I went into it with the wrong mindset. I was like, what, Jason in space? This is f***ing stupid. They don't care. And I hated it because the whole time I'm just like, Jason in space, you know, F this. But then later on, I rewatched and I'm like, hey, this is really good and it's funny. The the kills are so over the top that they're just hilarious. Oh, when Adrian gets her face frozen and broken? Yeah, the antifreeze part. Like, that was just, I, I lost my shit in the theater when that happened. I'm so disappointed that 
they went for a reboot later instead because I wanted I wanted to see what would have happened on Earth 2. Jason has a whole new planet and a whole new lake. To be fair, I think it was a great idea to put him in this future setting because now there, there's not only new kinds of weapons for him to use, there's new kinds of weapons for people to use on him. They've now got laser guns and spaceships and shit like that. Oh, and, and there's the, aliens. The, he can kill aliens. Yes, aliens, <laughs> all that, all that stuff. And the uh, the part with the virtual '80s Crystal Lake was genius. We <laughs> love premarital sex, and then it starts kicking in the Friday the Thirteenth music from the first one. <laughs> yeah, it's like that is, and there's there's also a little behind the scenes brilliant only super nerds are gonna get, mm-hmm. and that is between Lisa Ryder and Lexia Doug. Both Lisa Ryder and Lexia Doug were on the TV series Andromeda together, where Lexia Doug was the AI construct and Lisa Ryder was the human captain. Their roles are completely reversed in this, where Lisa Ryder is the AI construct and Lexia Doug is her boss. <laughs> and that was completely unintentional. They hired mm-hmm. both those women without realizing that they just swapped their Andromeda roles. Jason X does have my favorite line in the whole series of, It's all right, everybody. He just came back for his machete. It's all right. right. He just wanted his machete back. I also liked the fact that Jason might have, I mean, he finally met his match with KM-14, too. She kicked the living shit out of him. Oh, yeah. It's like you, you essentially saw Jason just dead. Well, and then even, you know, in like you were pointing out the humor, when she blows his arm off, that look he gives her, like, Bitch, did you just do that? Yeah. I laughed so hard at that. And that's the kind of subtle humor that Jason's the straight man in this. What the hell? Uh Uh-huh. But this movie did not do very well. No, I think I was was among the only people who saw it in the theater. That might have been due to the fact, Brad, that it came out three years after it was made. There were... Yeah, yeah. I had a bootleg of this over two years before it was in the theater. Really? That was oh, part wow. of the that was part of the problem. New Line kept New Line didn't want it. New Line picked it up, they paid for it, and then they kind of went, "Do we have to actually release it?" Yeah. And it just sat there and sat there. It was released in almost every other country before America. And they wonder yeah. why it did so poorly over here. New Line had had it up to this point. They finally got Freddy versus Jason off the ground. And I think they shouldn't have. I hated Freddy vs. Jason. I hated how it retconned the continuity of both franchises, which just showed more of we don't care, we just want to make a fun movie, not a good movie. And I saw Freddy vs. Jason in the theater, and I just, I didn't like it. And now you hate it even more because the working title for the movie was FJ. (laughs) Well, how the hell can I follow that? It has some stuff in it that I think is fine, but other things that piss me off. We were talking earlier about, you know, stuff that was kind of retconned and changed, and and I didn't really care all that much. I mean, yeah, a little, but not to the extent to where I would find any of the other movies unwatchable. In this one, though, I don't know why. It just, to me, this is a big one, where it makes him afraid of water, which has never ever ever except for him in one with the flashbacks of him drowning it's never had him afraid of water he will kill your ass on land 
water, where the hell ever you are, you're standing, he is going to kill you. And hell, in there's a period of time where he's straight up just living in the water between six and seven, and hell, then seven and eight, and now suddenly it's like it's like he's scared of like spiders all of a sudden, like it, water just abs- just terrifies him. Even though at the end of this one, he comes out of water again. Well, that, and I love how they ch- they literally just say, yeah, you know what? And I don't know which one of the towns that they moved, but they have Springwood from the Nightmare on Elm Street series and Crystal Lake as neighboring towns. Springwood was in Ohio. Crystal Lake is in New Jersey. No, no, no. no. There was a There was a part in this movie that showed, like, a map that had... Springwood in Ohio, and but, uh, but the, the the sheriff is like, oh, I just came from the Sp- I can't remember if it was the Springwood PD or the Crystal Lake PD. He's like, I just drove here, and it's like just an hour away. It's like neighboring towns in their continuity now, and I'm like, the fuck. Yeah, I seem to recall. Like, I mean, I seem to recall them addressing that one was in New Jersey and the other was in Ohio. In this movie, like, yeah, maybe they did. Maybe, maybe they did. So, so like, yeah, if it, it's looking like it's taken them a short amount of time to drive there, that's just kind of just bad editing. I, I can't remember the actress's name, but all I call her is not Brittany Murphy. Monica Kina. Yeah, I thought she was serviceable. I thought she was. She was, fine. but I couldn't stop thinking. Just hire Brittany Murphy then, and in, instead of the, hiring her two days out of the oven clone. I thought that th- some of the kills were funny, like the part with the folding bed and crushing the guy in half. I thought the stuff at the rave was funny, and the dudes, not Jason Mewes, saying, oh, that hockey player was pissed about something. Oh my god, uh, th- that guy annoyed the hell out of me. Again, just that, hire that, Jason that Mewes. Yeah, pretty much. That that line I thought was funny. And on the fight scene between Jason and Freddy, I I like. I I thought I thought that that was I thought that that was well done. I I think the only thing that could have made this movie better or could have made it serviceable is if they'd gone with the original endings. Remember how when endings? Clue, huh? Yes. Remember when Clue came out in the '80s, Brad? And oh, okay, seven yeah. different endings, and different endings would be given to different theaters. They originally wanted, and I don't know if it was financial or not, they originally wanted to have one ending where Freddy wins, one ending where Jason wins in a definitive ending, and those were going to alternate at random intervals to different theaters. That would have been kind of neat, I think, and I don't know why they didn't go with that. I wish they had done that because the ending that's in the movie just plays it too freaking safe. Yeah, it's, hey, they both win and they both lose. We're afraid to actually pick a winner. That was cheap. That was really, really cheap. Well, I and, hate Freddy versus Jason. I think I, I saw it once when it hit DVD and went, this is just terrible. I'm going to forget that it exists. I don't think it's bad enough to where it's like I pretend that it didn't happen because I think that there's decent things about it. But I, I don't watch it very often. It is what it is. Let's move on to the one I'm going to have to be abstaining from. After seeing the trailer for the the Platinum Dunes remake, there was no way I was ever going to watch the remake. So I'm abstaining from this one. I have not seen it at all. I'm going to sound like I'm being that guy, but I'm not. I really don't like this movie. And it's no, it's not just because it's a remake. 
it's because it's a bad remake and a bad Friday the 13th movie. The characters in this movie suck. The characters in this movie are annoying, unlikable, and this is just the kind of bad slasher movie thinking that just because these characters are going to get killed off, let's make every single one of them the most unlikable, unwatchable dick face you could put on screen. And I hate that's not how you do a slasher movie. There has to be there has to be some characters in there that you want to spend an, an entire movie with. And not only that, the kills were lame. The, it was the same kill every freaking time. The kills were just flat out boring. It was more obsessed with nudity than it was with the kills. What I got from the trailer was also it was kind of pandering to we're going to give you what you want, not be truthful. Just the fact that it was Jason in the first movie with the hockey mask kind of pissed me off right from they, the tra- right from the trailer. Oh, they they remake the first three movies in the first ten minutes of the movie horribly paced because it's so fast. Like it does that. It starts out with the ending of the first one, but obviously different actors. It starts out with that, and then goes right into him with a bag on his head as an adult. And then it suddenly he there's no build up to him finding the hockey mask. It's just oh hey this is on the ground. Guess I'll take this. Sure, why not? One thing I hated about the remake is how clean it looked, and it had like high production value. It didn't look like a cheap low budget slasher, and that kept throwing me off. The whole movie was how it looked clean. Yeah, this one is nowhere near as rough around the edges as any other Friday the 13th movie though. And it goes to show you too well and it goes to show you too that again nudity's not what makes the movie great. I mean yeah, it's fun that that's in there sure, but it's not the only thing that makes it freaking watchable. 6 is one of the best ones. It's got no nudity in it. Hell, the first one only has a little bit in it. The third one has a nip slip. This one probably has the most nudity of the entire series and I think it's the worst one. And then we have to mention, I brought it up a little bit earlier at the end of the Paramount era, Friday the 13th, the TV series, which threw a lot of people off at the time in 1987 when they were expecting, how do you get Jason as a TV series? And then they found it was something totally different. Originally, what they had planned, because they didn't know season three was going to be the ending because the ratings kept going up every year, they... They had planned that because Friday the 13th, the series was about cursed antiques and them traveling around the country, buying up these antiques cursed by the devil. The final episode was was them tracking down Jason's cursed hockey mask Mm -hmm. that never got shot. But you tell me that wouldn't have been kind of cool to cap off the Paramount era. Oh, man, I better than uh, the novelization series. I've heard both good and bad about that. There's a novelist I've I've read them. They they basically read like preteen horror. Like you'd read this after reading Fear Street. People finding Jason's mask. Like the first one was called Mother's Day, and it kind of reads as if it's sort of picking up after Jason goes to hell, and it's this hunter who finds Jason's mask on the ground, and the mask holds Jason's powers. So the hunter puts on the... It's basically the mask. It's the mask. The mask but that he didn't get until the third one? Halfway through the movie? Yeah, it's... it's. Well, I mean, like, the mask is in the mask with Jim Carrey. 
Only instead of turning him into a Tex Avery character, the mask turns you into Jason. They're the most sentimental slasher movies for me personally. It's the ones that I liked the most. It's the ones that I watched the most. I can still watch them to this day and have a good time. Yeah, there's some that I don't, that are certainly better than others, but overall, I think that they're, they're prototypical slasher movies, but a very, very, very good example of them. I love all the Friday the 13th series. Yeah, there are some that I've said that I hate this movie, like Freddy vs. Jason. I, I refuse to rewatch that one. But of the Paramount era, the first eight, rather, you know, one through eight, I could watch any of those movies anytime and be happy. And I me often too. do. Same here. And see, to me, I, I think the series, like with Brad, it's part of my childhood. I grew mm-hmm. up watching these on video at first. It became part of my my movie lexicon. So where can we find Brad Jones? Uh, TheCinemaSnob.com. Where can we find Alex, not really Betsy Palmer, Jowski? Are there people that thought I was Betsy Palmer? It's been suggested. <laughs> I might have been the one that suggested it, but it's been suggested. GeekJuiceMedia.com. You can find me at the same GeekJuiceMedia also, 1201beyond.com, and you can contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Have a Friday the 13th night, guys.
Radio Drome is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.